Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 690 for the 28th of Tishrei in a regular year. Today, we are going to talk about exile. So what is exile exactly? What comes to mind for you when you think of the word exile? You know, somebody is exiled, like we know the Jewish people were exiled from their homes in Israel. Sometimes a punishment for a prisoner is that they get exiled to a foreign land, right? So we all know that exile is basically this idea of like being uprooted and being in a foreign territory, being somewhere that you don't belong, that you're away from your home base. Maybe you're away from your friends or family, whatever it is, you know, or maybe, I mean, sometimes I guess you could be exiled together with your friends and family, but you're still, you're not, you're, you're kind of uh, wandering. You're not, you're not at home. You're not at peace, right? So we know in a broader way, not only are the Jewish people in exile in a global scheme, like when we talk about the exile right now, but we know that actually the Shekhinah is in exile. The divine presence is in exile. We know that we're living in a state of exile right now. And one of the core components of Judaism is this belief that we will eventually get out of exile. And this belief that not only will we just like physically return to our land or our homeland of Israel, but on a spiritual sense too, the whole entire world will be redeemed and will come to a state of redemption out of exile. And interesting to note, this is actually something that is was one of the biggest innovations that Judaism brought to the world was this linear aspect of creation, this linear aspect of the world, that the world is going somewhere, that we're not just uh, here in this like kind of like circular place, which is like the the uh, the idea behind a lot of other of the world's religions and philosophies, like in the East and things like that, where the whole idea is to be, get in touch with nature and kind of surrender to the flow, to the cycle of nature. In Judaism, we also do believe that there is a cycle to our lives. Like, you know, we just finished the Chagim, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, all of that. So there is a cycle that we do very much want to be in tune with. But at the same time, it's not just a cycle that's like just like going around and around in circles. We're actually going somewhere. So I've heard that it it be like into a spiral sort of. There's a there's a movement in a certain direction. And when we look at some other uh, religions that also have adopted this kind of like messianic consciousness, the ro- real root of it is from Judaism. That's where they got this idea from. This idea of of the Messiah of, of the messianic era. So today we're going to talk about this from a spiritual perspective. We're going to talk about what exile means from a spiritual perspective, and especially in the context of this wider discussion that we've been having about how, uh, in this epistle that we've been learning, Epistle 25, about how it is that God is very much present here in the world and within 
not just like a general sense, but within every single detail of reality. We started this discussion talking about the idea of anger and how uh, how it's really silly and actually considered idolatrous to get angry at anybody because no matter what anybody's doing to you, they are merely just agents of God. Like um, their whole vitality, the vitality of the words that they're speaking to you, the actions that they're doing to you is nothing but an expression of God. They get their sustain, sustained totally and 100% by God, their existence, their vitality. So this is what we are coming to understand. Yesterday, we, we really spoke about this a, a lot more in detail. And this is a subject that's come up a lot in Tanya, how really everything in the world, every detail of the world is being perpetually created something from nothing at all times, and it has no existence of its own, other than the speech of God. So today, we're going to talk about this vitality in the world, but how it's manifest in a state of exile, because that is the state that we're all living in today. And interestingly to note, this this entire section that we're going to learn today is one big parenthesis. So it's this is kind of like a side note that the Ultra Rebbe put in here to this epistle to kind of explain this idea of exile, because it's like... At face value, if we didn't have this parenthesis here, we, if we didn't talk about this idea of exile, then we might kind of be like, you know, confused because it's like on the one hand, we're saying that God's vitality is everywhere here in this world and everything is vitalized and um, animated by God. But we don't see this. We look around to the world and the world appears to be very ungodly at first glance. So how is this possible? How is it that we live in a world that appears to be so devoid of godliness in many ways when in fact um it's it's not you know and how can we have such a thing as like idol people worshiping idols people worshiping and we can think of idols in a literal sense like you know bowing down to actual idols or really in this more broader sense broader context of anger or worshiping money or careers or you know whatever it is like worshiping their own sense of self so yeah, so today we're going to talk about this and we're going to start off by talking about the vitality that is present outside of the land of Israel and how that is different than the vitality that's within the land of Israel because the land of Israel receives a more direct kind of vitality from God. And we'll talk about how this exile, the the root of this exile, the root of this like outside the land of Israel type of existence really stems from the uh from from the sin of Adam Harishon of the of the original man who you know with the the whole story with the tree of knowledge and all of that and then we'll talk about this like deeper form of exile which is the exile of the Shrina itself it's a more complete kind of exile which is which occurred when the Jewish people went into exile when the Jewish people were exiled from the land of Israel. So it's so the first one is going to be just the exile in general of anything outside the land of Israel and like how the lands outside the land of Israel specifically referred to perhaps not so politically correctly, but as the idolatrous lands, how they receive their vitality in this exile type of way. And then the complete exile of the entire world in the sense of the Jewish people coming into a state of exile and what uh, and and what that and and what that means. So with that being said, let's get into the text and see how the Alter Rebbe explains all of this. So again, for context, we are still in the middle of Epistle 25. And today, as I mentioned, is a parenthesis from this whole chapter. So the Alter Rebbe begins and he and he says that, however, outside the land of Israel, so meaning 
to say what's the however. So if you go back and listen to yesterday's episode, we spoke about the vitality of the world and how uh, how the vitality stemming from the from the Dvar Hashem, from the word of Hashem, and wh- how what we refer to commonly as the Shechina or as Malchus, how it manifests in all the different worlds, whether we're talking about the world of Atsilas or the world that we're talking about the lowest world, the world of Asiya, which is the world that we reside in, how this vitality becomes manifest and vitalizes the world. So today, so the ultra says that when we say that outside the land of Israel, uh, and in some renditions, it says outside the land of Israel, like I noticed, like in the lessons in Tanya, at least the online version, it says outside the land of Israel, whereas the Hebrew copy of the book that I have at home, the Sefer actually says the lands of uh, idol worshipers. So I thought that was interesting. So I'm not sure how that change was made, but I'm assuming it was sort of like an edit, like a politically correct edit from like land of idol worships to idol worshipers to lands outside the land of Israel. So nevertheless, so we're talking about the lands outside the land of Israel. This vitality that we've been discussing comes about through being invested within the external ministering angels that are appointed over the 70 nations of the world. So basically, according to Judaism, there are 70 basic nations, like kind of core nations in the world, that non-Jewish nations, and Hashem appointed different ministering angels over these uh these nations and they're called the ex- external uh ministering angels or in, in hebrew the salim hachitzonim meaning to say so why do we call them external ministering angels because they come down from the spark of the speech of god at, which is called malchus desia so again going back to yesterday's episode if you remember malchus of asia is the root of the vitality that comes down into our world and it's another rendition it's one of the renditions of the dvarasham of the speech of god so this speech of god that comes down and which is called the malchus of asia comes and shines on these angels uh, in a way of makif, in a way that encompasses them from above, but it doesn't actually get vested and clothed within them, but rather this vitality flows to them in a way from above, in a way that's encompassing. So it doesn't. So this vitality, this vital flow, is just like this. It hovers about them. It doesn't actually get, like, it doesn't actually penetrate into their being. And now from these ministering angels, then this vitality shines down into the different. Uh, nations of the world and to the different animals and to the different beasts and the different fowl that are found in their lands. So this is, so we're talking about the lands outside the land of Israel, uh, everything outside of the land of Israel, uh, all of the animals within the land of Israel, all these things, they're receiving the vitality through these ministering angels that receive the vitality from Malchus of Asiya in a encompassing kind of transcendent way. That's not, um, imminent okay and so and also this vitality doesn't just flow to the animals in this world but also to the actual physical earth and to the heavens the physical heavens like meaning like this the spheres which I, from my understanding, I think is referring to like outer space. And then the ultra right here has another bracket where he gets even more specific. And he says that, okay, so there, the distinction, there is a distinction in the type of vitality that flows down here, that the heavens and the earth and the pure animals, like the pure beast and fowl and, uh, and animals, like, like cattle kind of animals, they get the vitality from Klipas Noga. 
which we've spoken about in the past. But just a quick recap of what is Klipasnoga. Klipasnoga is a husk. It's a husk that conceals godliness, but it's a translucent husk. So meaning that these are things that are like, they're not outright, they don't outright conceal God. They're not right, outright forbidden things in the world. So there are things that we can utilize for godliness and we can also utilize them, God forbid, for things that are not godly. They can go either way. That's why they're called translucent husks or in Hebrew, klipas noga. And then on the other hand, we have the impure animals, the impure creatures in the world, and also the souls of the, these nations. They come, these idolatrous nations come from the the impure klipos, the other shalosh klipotatmeot, it's called in Hebrew, the three impure klipos that totally conceal, uh, conceal godliness entirely, and there's no way that they can be redeemed. That's a quick overview of the klipos, but you can go back and listen to earlier parts of the Tanya where we talks about that, or you can do your own research about that. So yeah, so okay, so now going back to the regular text of here, of, of today's Tanya. So the altar Rabbi says that when it comes to the vitality of this, of the heavens and the earth and everything that's found within these things outside of the lands of Israel, these are all nullified to, they're all considered like not and nothing compared to the ministering angels, which is their vitality and their existence. And these ministering angels are considered like no nothing compared to the vitality that comes from them, from this nitsos, from the spark that comes from the speech of God that shines above them from above. So there's like this like chain-like connection here between each of the levels. So basically the... Um, Everything here in this physical world, like just on a simple level, all of these things, they are, where do they receive the vitality from? These ministering angels. So that is, so they're nullified to the ministering angels. And then those ministering angels, they receive, they, they receive the vitality from this vitality that comes to them through the spark of Dvar Hashem, of the speech of God that comes to them, right? That we spoke about from the level of Malchus of Asiya. That's where, they, so they're nullified to this level. The ministering angels are nullified to the spark of, of, uh, of the speech of God. And so nevertheless, says the Alter Rebbe, this vitality that comes to them from this, this radiance is in an aspect of galos within them. It's in an aspect of exile within them. So it's like they're they're not receiving this vitality of God's speech in a kind of direct way, but they're receiving it in an exiled way. And this is why they're called elokim acherim, other gods. And uh, they and they call God elokad elokaya, the God of gods, because they think of themselves as being godlike. So meaning to say these ministering angels, like they because they're receiving their their energy flow in an exiled way it's not in a direct way they don't it's not clear it's like it's not obvious that god is their entire vitalizing force and that they're totally nullified to god so thus they can have this erroneous perception of themselves as having their own substantial existence and having like this ability to actually like as if they are a god and sure okay they recognize that there's like an ultimate god that they receive the vitality from but they just say that's like the god of gods and now the ultra but continues and he says, this is why we see the nations of the world can be idolaters. 
right? So it's like, sometimes it can sound very strange to us. Like I think, you know, just kind of like a little interjection here that maybe just like my own point of view. Um, for most Jews, when they hear about Christianity, for example, it sounds so strange to us to hear this idea of like that there's this man and people like worship this man and that man is like a, a way to get to God. It, it, like it's, it's so strange. It's so foreign to a Jewish consciousness. But yet we see that this religion is a very popular religion, right? And my understanding of this Tanya here today is because of this is because like the maybe it's not so politically correct to say, but uh, but the souls of the other nations are coming from this place that's more connected to this place that's kind of concealed this place where there can be this consciousness of a ministering angel thinking of themselves and having other people think of themselves as God when really it's just a ministering angel and that spark of godliness within them is in exile. So it's, it's not clear. It's, it gets muddled. The consciousness gets muddled and the altar of says, goes, goes on and he says that this is going to be the case, this, this state of like this confusion kind of where, um, where we have non-Jews worshiping idols and things like that is going to be the case until the end of times when Finally, there's going to come a time when death and Sitra Akhra, the other side, is going to be consumed, is going to be swallowed up forever. And at that time, uh, cites the Altar Rabbi, this is from Zephania, chapter 3, verse 9, that at that time, I will transform the nations, I will turn around the nations, and they will all call in the name of God. So we learn, according to Torah, that in the time of Mashiach, this isn't going to be a time just for Jews. This is actually going to be a time when the entire world recognizes God, and the whole world will come to the state of God consciousness. And so, okay, so yeah, so going back to this state that we're in now, which is not that end of time yet, right? Hopefully we'll get there soon, but but right now we're in this in this muddled state. This pla- this state can also be referred to, another way to reference it is by calling it the Galos HaShchina, the exile of the Shchina. Why? Because the vitality that's found within these ministering angels, this vitality that's coming from the Shchina, right? Because it's coming from the Malchus of Asiya, which is another manifestation of the Shechina is found in a state of exile within them. So this radiance that's coming down to them from the Dvar Hashem, from the speech of God, which is called the Shechina, is is in a state of exile. Okay? Uh, and now, Altar um, brings another brackets here, another parentheses, where he actually tells us the source of this exile. And he says the source of this exile, this exile came about from the sin that happens with the tree of knowledge and onwards. So that whole thing that happens back then with the tree of knowledge, eating from the tree of knowledge, that is the source for this whole state of exile. And the vitality that these beings receive is coming from the the, the aspect of achoraim, of, of like hindmost, like the backside of, of Kedusha, of holiness. However, when the Jewish people were exiled amongst the nations of the world, then... Since the Jewish people, they come from the place, their their aspect, their root is in an aspect of panim, of, of front of the face, like the front part, not the back part. So thus, when the Jewish people became exiled, this became a complete gallus. This is a complete gallus. And this is, and then the ultra concludes here, and he says that this is the meaning of this idea that's brought up in uh, in the Gemara, and, and the sages talk about it, that's the Gemara in Megillah, page 29b, Galule Edom Shechina Imahem, that when the Jewish people were exiled to Edom, the Shechina 
was with them in exile. So that's the end of the section for today. So just to conclude, so basically, again, we learned about exile today. We learned about this idea of how the, the vitalizing force of God comes down into this world through the ministering angels but in a way of exile, which means that there, it, it gives it the ability, it gives the world, especially in the lens outside the land of Israel, that there can be this consciousness of something other than God and that there can be even a state of idolatry and a state of, of, of see, mistaking these ministering angels as being gods when they're not gods. And we spoke about how the origin, the root of this exile, the state of exile came from the this the sin that happened with the tree of knowledge. And then we also spoke about how then an even more complete kind of exile occurred when the Jewish people who come from the face, the front part of God, when they went into exile amongst the nations of the world, then the exile was really like just really seeped into the entirety of everything. And in a, such a way that we say that the Shekhinah itself is an exile. So that's it for today. And we will continue along these lines tomorrow. And I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Benyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.